is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined this week by my co-host, Carrie. What's up? So Micah is out of town. Uh, that's okay, because we've been playing a lot of Link's Awakening. Uh, we're going to talk about that later in the podcast. Um, and and so, Carrie, I'll, I'll talk about Borderlands 3 in a second. Uh, you've still been playing Monster Hunter, uh, notably not the new expansion yet, though, and Link to the Past as well? Yeah, so I'm still playing Monster Hunter at this point. I'm just sort of grinding up my stuff and my gear uh, so that I'm ready by the time Iceborne hits PC in January. Um, playing through event quests and whatnot, having having a good time doing that. Um, not really much new on that front because, again, Iceborne isn't out for PC for another few months. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I was on vacation last week, so I had a fun time uh, starting a playthrough of Link to the Past on uh, on the Switch Online Super Nintendo service, and yeah, that game holds up. It so. does, and and that's an, it's it's cool that you brought that up because when we talk about Link's Awakening, um, I'll probably draw back to Link Link to the Past a little bit uh, since they, I mean, especially with the history of Link's Awakening. Oh being, sure, being what it is. Um, so yeah, I finished the Borderlands Three campaign. Uh, it was easily my favorite Borderlands uh, story that they've done so far, even without a villain with the gravitas of a handsome Jack <laughs> missing from this one. Uh, there were some twists and turns that were a little unexpected. Um, so I just start like I literally just finished it last night. Uh, oh, wow, okay. The the ending song that plays over the credits uh, got a chuckle out of me, which if, if you – I'm not going to, of course, spoil it, but when you play the game, it'll make you laugh considering what happens right before um, the end credits start. Yeah, I, I just – I really had a good time with it. Um, just a really well-paced game. Really enjoying getting some of the new weapons. I don't think Mike and I talked too much about Legendaries last week, but I've actually gotten quite a few since then. Um, the Flood is an amazing Jacob's Pistol. Uh, if you like using Jacob's weapons, because it basically can fire off eight shots in about a second uh, and then has insanely fast reload. Uh, I found a uh, Malawan submachine gun called the Egon, which is basically a fucking proton thrower from Ghostbusters, uh, which is pretty funny as well. There's yeah, there's some really cool weapons. I'm looking forward to kind of wrapping up the side quests on my siren uh, with mayhem mode activated. So mayhem mode for those not familiar is kind of borderlands take on the torment difficulty levels that are present in like a Diablo three, for example, where it makes the enemies a little bit more difficult uh, and get, gives them like more health and things like that. But it also gives you much better odds at getting good loot. It also brings all the enemies up to your current level. So even though a lot of the side quests are quests that I've had in my mission log for quite some time, uh, they'll still provide a bit of a challenge because of the mayhem mode kind of bumps them up. And then, uh, and then I don't know, I don't know when I want to start true vault hunter mode, which is kind of the new game plus for borderlands. Um, I'm going to be balancing that with playing with the other characters, but I'm, I, I know for the other characters, I'm going to be exclusively playing, um, with friends, probably jumping into other people's games and playing with them. Cause I'm not as worried about, you know, going through the story strictly, uh, with anyone else that I use, but just a really good time. So I'm looking forward to digging into the end game and I'm looking forward to, uh, maybe I can talk Micah next time he's on into doing, uh, we'll do like a spoiler cast, uh, section on borderlands and give you guys proper warning. Cause I think he'll probably be done, uh, by next week as well. If I had to guess. So 
That cool. is it for what we've been playing. Uh, Link's Awakening, again, we'll save to the main part of the show. Uh, new releases this week. There's quite a bit. Again, we are in, we are in the fall. We are in the full swing of release season. Uh, Contra Rogue Corpse comes out for PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Uh, Dead by Daylight comes to Nintendo Switch. Noita comes to PC. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 <laughs> Jedi Outcast comes to PS4 and Switch. Did I did I pronounce Noita? No, is it Noita? No, just I I'm I'm still just bemused by the whole idea that in the year of our Lord 2K19, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 is getting oh, a re-release. Yes. And I never even played the first one. I'm I'm uh, vaguely unfamiliar with Star Wars Jedi Knight 2. Or with the uh, Jedi have, Knight series. Pretty cool story. Um mm. Pretty fun gameplay. I mean, as far as the Star Wars video games are concerned, they rank pretty high, I think. So, uh, the follow up to Terrence's uh, 2017 game of the year, The Surge, uh, The Surge 2 comes out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. It was game of the year by default, Carrier, because it was like one of five new games that he played that year, <laughs> and it's the one he enjoyed the most. Well. Uh, Gunvolt Chronicles Luminous Avenger, I don't know if that's 9 or if it's supposed to be IX, uh, comes to PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Uh, Code Vein comes to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Dragon Quest XI comes to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, the Switch is also seeing releases in the eShop of Dragon Quests 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest comes to Nintendo Switch, and FIFA 20 comes out on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And Carrie did a wonderful job compiling the new releases this week. I might have to task you with doing that every week, actually. Oh, cause... no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. And plus, I can never find Xbox because they don't post a new release thing in their blog anymore, which drives me okay, insane. Okay, like, I literally only, like, copied and pasted this from, like, Kotaku today because they posted, like, their, here's our list of all the big games coming out this fall. So I was like, neat. There oh, perfect. Go. See, I don't even have access. I, I just always go with the um, the PS4 blog that they do every week, and then Nintendo has a very robust release calendar on their mm-hmm. website as well. Um, so real quick, before we get into quick hit news, don't forget to go to YouTube.com slash DensePixels. Click the red subscribe button. Ring the bell icon. You'll never miss whenever we post a video, which is usually this podcast in video format every week. If I ever do Let's Plays, it's always going to be on YouTube.com slash DensePixels. So make sure you subscribe there. Uh, if you have not been a premium subscriber yet for TMP Studios, go to densepixels.com slash premium, sign up for just $5 a month, $50 for the entire year. It gets you access to our premium slate of podcasts, including the Look Forward Political Podcast, The Men with the Golden Tongues featuring me and Micah, No Time to Bleed, our action movie podcast, and the Arium Grievances, Jay and Micah's Seinfeld podcast. Again, that's densepixels.com slash premium. And no matter what app you use to get your podcast, Make sure you subscribe to this show and all of the other shows in the TNP Studios Network. That includes the Nerdpocalypse, Black on Black Cinema, and Coming Distractions. Uh, if you guys are coming, not Coming Distractions subscribers, Jay just posted a review uh, of Ad Astra, uh, the new Brad Pitt movie that he got to go check out. It's up there right now. You can find it either on the Coming Distractions podcast feed or on YouTube at the Nerdpocalypse. So news, um, WB Montreal had a very... Unsubtle tease on Batman. They're, they're out here making my life fucking difficult. Yeah, so apparently uh, the the presumption is there's going to be a Court of Owls uh, Batman game possibly announced tomorrow during the PlayStation State of Play, which we'll talk about in a second. For, okay, so 
In my real life, I work at a publishing company where we do reference books about comic books, and I've done a book on video games and tabletop games and all sorts of cool shit. And I'm currently working on a guide to specifically Batman collectibles. And I, like, just finished having our creative director lay out the video game section. And I swear to fucking God, if they don't announce this game by the end of the week, they are really testing my patience here. Because, like, I need to have this book as up-to-date as possible. And, of course, WB Montreal would come with less than two weeks to go before my book deadline and be like, hmm, I wonder if we're going to do a new Batman game. Hmm, I wonder if we're going to do a Court of Owls game. Hmm. So, like... I really hope that it gets announced like formally during state of play so I can put like two sentences in and like a teaser image and being like, this comes out here and it's done by the same dev team that did Arkham Origins and whatever. But of course this would happen when I'm on deadline for a Batman book Mm -hmm. is basically what I'm saying. I'm kind of professionally frustrated about it, but like personally kind of excited. (laughs) You have been a journalist for the better part of 12 years now, am I not right? Yeah. This should this should be something you're completely accustomed to. No, legit. When I was working on, um, like, I think it was two weeks before uh, my uh, collecting video games book came out that Nintendo announced the Switch. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so this created a bit of buzz on online, as I would expect. So here's here's a couple questions that I have for you, Carrie. So don't think it's coming at, I mean, so let's, let's just assume for the sake of argument that this is a new Batman Arkham, whatever game that has the court of owls prominently featured in it. Not going to come out this year. I don't think they would drop this news in September and then release it in 2019. No. When do you think this comes out next spring, even though spring's already loaded, or do you think this is going to be a next generation game? Ooh, I think it could go either way. Um, yeah, I think this could be next spring. Um, I think a sort of six to eight month sort of like prep period for a AAA title such as this is sort of industry standard at this point. Mm-hmm. But it also wouldn't surprise me to have a AAA Batman title be a next gen console launch title either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this this could really go either way. And I wouldn't be surprised regardless. So the, the the reason everyone thinks is there's a teaser video that was put up um, of, like, a celebration because Batman's 80th anniversary, Batman Day, was this past weekend. And it's uh, of a video of a bat signal being shown on the side of a building. And then there are a couple images that pop up over top of it. Um, one of them is tangentially related to Rachel Ghoul's. So people are saying maybe Rachel Ghoul's in it. Um, again, we got the Talons symbol, uh, which is related to Court of Owls. Here's, here's the thing though. So a lot of people, just because Court of Owls was fucking mentioned and that comic line, like I, I don't read comic books and even I'm aware of how cool Court of Owls was. Cause I actually did check out some of that Batman run, um, when they had it out there. Yeah. So I understand the excitement around it because of that, but at the same time, it's being developed by WB Montreal, the maker of Batman Arkham Origins, a game that kind of sort of has been declared persona non grata by the Batman Arkham series at large. I mean, Arkham Knight and I mean, Arkham City and Arkham Asylum both got HD up res re-releases on current generation consoles and 
ain't shit out there for Arkham Origins. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think all of these games are very good. Uh, I haven't played through all of them start to finish. I've sort of played bits and pieces of each of them. Mm-hmm. And while Arkham Origins is ostensibly, objectively not as good as the Rocksteady developed Arkham games, I don't think that made it like a bad game. No, it wasn't a bad. It just wasn't as good. Right. I mean, so what what I think people can realistically expect from this, assuming that it's going to happen, is that you're going to get a new Batman Arkham game using the Arkham Knight engine. Like it's going to yeah. it's just going to use the Arkham Knight engine. And if that sounds exciting to you, then great. And if it doesn't, then I wouldn't sweat it. But my the the point that I would make to people is that if if they announce that hey, there's going to be a new BioShock game made from the makers of BioShock 2, or there's going to be a new Borderlands game coming from the makers of Borderlands the pre-sequel, would you really be that excited? Yeah. Yeah. No, Probably it's, not. that's fair. That's fair. Um ultimately at this point it's been uh, about a little more than four years since Arkham Knight came out. And I think people were sort of satisfied story-wise with that game and maybe less satisfied with uh, certain would, gameplay I aspects of that. I would say the opposite is probably true because outside of the Batmobile, the gameplay was pretty solid. But I think a lot of people well, were kind of mad. I think a lot of people get hung up on the Batmobile in that game. Oh, they uh, and right, rightfully so. I mean, it was, that was, it was terrible. Not but the good. story, the story actually um, was a little pedestrian for a lot of people because it was so predictable. Like, like, yeah, like the identity of the like, Arkham Knight was uh, was very obvious. Yeah, I mean, I like that character. I mean, it's it's Jason Todd. Like, I'll go ahead and spoil it now. Jason I mean, it's, Todd. Game, game's, the game's been out for four years. Game's I think, been out. I think it's whatever. Okay, so. <laughs> um, Jason Todd is like my favorite bat-related character, so um, I kind of enjoyed um, narratively that take on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think Court of Owls is uh, it's one of the I guess sort of best known. I guess it's modern. Yeah. Um. The uh, yeah, I mean, I would say of all Co- the Batman Owls, stories that Court, have taken Court of place, has been in this around century, for yeah. less than ten years. So that's that's extremely modern. Um, so as far as contemporary Batman storytelling is is concerned, Court of Owls is probably like the best known and best universally loved by fans. So, yeah, um, I think there's some there's some opportunities for some really cool stuff story-wise here. So, ultimately, again, professionally, I just chip, chop, chip. I'm on a deadline, WB. <laughs> so funny that that's, that's what you're taking from this story is like, I don't yes. care. Just announce your game or don't so I can make yeah. my video game or my Batman collectible book. Yeah. So, there you go. Yep. Um, speaking of Batman. That's not the only Batman video game related news we have to talk about this week. There is a current Batman event going on in Fortnite as we speak. Until October 6th, uh, you can get the Caped Crusader pack of cosmetic and weapons that are all Batman themed in Fortnite. And the Tilted Town is now Gotham City for this promotional period as well. I uh, actually quite like the cosmetics that they went with. I really like the bat suits that they went with. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because they are very um 
it, it it's it's very Batman while still being very obviously in like the Fortnite like art direction. Yeah, style. I mean, you've got two different suits. One is more live action, and the other is more. I would say animated series influenced, mm-hmm. um, but it's cool. Catwoman looks good. Um, I don't play Fortnite, and I never will. But uh, this is this is a cool cool tie in. So uh, among the uh, among the other things you can get, you can get a bat glider uh, to glide around in Fortnite. You can get a uh, Batman grapnel gun and an explosive batarang. Uh, it'll be funny watching people dressed as Batman running around shooting the shit out of people with guns, because that, of course, yeah. is very, uh, <laughs> right. very Batman. That's not how Batman works. <laughs> uh, but does does it come with bat shark repellent? Uh, I don't think they're going for that Batman. <sighs> unfortunately, I think that they're sticking with the uh, more modern interpretations. But yeah, like you said, the costumes I think look pretty good. Um, yeah, even even the Schumacher. Uh, one doesn't look half bad considering. No, it, it, it looks, it looks pretty cool. It looks distinctly nineties, but it, it still, I think looks pretty cool. Yeah, so you also have a, uh, yes, you have like a batarang shaped ax that you can use as well. So yeah, definitely very, very many Batman themed things. Um, I'll be excited to see it's in action. I don't have a uh, cost in front of me, but I would, uh, I have no idea. I would assume probably around like 20 bucks. I hope anyway, they're gouging people on this shame on them. But yep. uh, what else new? Uh, real quick, we mentioned the State of Play broadcast that's coming. Uh, it may be airing as you're listening to this. It's supposed to be dropping Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, supposedly, there will be Last of Us 2 news, including possibly a release date, which was leaked. Uh, well, something was leaked. We don't know if it's official yet, but uh, the leak said February 20th. That seems plausible. Um, Does anyone really care that much? Yeah, about people the Last really of like, Us too. People at this like point. the Last of Us, yeah. People do. That game has okay. a very it, that has more that game has more broad appeal than you might than you might think it does. Okay. Like I said, I I'm also in the camp of I I think I I think the story was not as great as everyone said. Yeah. Uh, that it was, but that's oh. uh that's just us. It's uh, a pretty straightforward zombie story, guys. It is, it, it's it's a pretty straightforward Children of Men riff, basically. Yeah. Um. But they did say don't expect any updates related to the next-gen consoles. Uh, we'll have more information for you on that next week. Uh, speaking of PS5, Sony has announced that the PS5 will include a power-saving feature to tackle climate change. Cool. Sony announced that it's working with the UN as part of its Playing for the Planet initiative, which aims to mobilize gamers to take an active role in combating climate change because the government doesn't seem interested in doing so right now. <sighs> I hate it. So, but this is cool. This this yes. is cool. Um, basically, uh, Sony and Microsoft, who we'll talk about in a moment, are both participating in the uh, United Nations uh, Playing for the Planet initiative. Well, we can we can get that we can get right into that right now. So, okay, cool. so in in addition to this, Microsoft has announced that it plans to make eight hundred twenty five thousand new Xbox consoles carbon neutral. Now I'm not exactly sure how that is going to work exactly, um, because they and, and Microsoft also did not state 
uh, which consoles those were going to be. They did mention it. They were talking about Xbox Ones or One Xs or the new one that's coming out at some point down the road. Right. Um, and Microsoft's also doing more than that. They're saying they're they're committing to a carbon emission reduction plan uh, to reduce their supply chain emission by 30% by 2030. Um, also, they're challenging players to build environmentally friendly structures in Minecraft. Because that helps. Because that sure does Whatever. help. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's uh, tr- trying to change people's mindset about things. But u- ultimately, um, the, the UN said that um, combined these commitments from 21 different companies, which also includes uh, Twitch, Google, Rovio, Ubisoft, and others, will result in a 30 million ton reduction of CO2 emissions by 2030. We'll see millions of trees planted and various other, quote, green nudges in game design and improvements to energy management, packaging, and device recycling. Um, They said that Sony's uh, Sony's PS5 plans alone will, uh, basically, if just 1 million users enable the feature, it would save an equivalent to the average electricity use of a thousand United States homes. So it's, it's nice. It's nice that, um, even if Congress is cool with, uh, the world being literally fucking on fire, that, uh, certain other companies are starting to take, Sort of like a first step. Again, these are green nudges. This isn't a massive overhaul of the way we live our lives. This is just tiny little things that the companies are doing in order to ultimately build up into what amounts to a pretty significant difference in uh, emissions and and stuff like that. I think a lot of more major corporations will... Kind of be spearheading this anyway, like car company, like even though our current U.S. administration is trying their damnness to help like the oil and gas industry, um, car companies are just making more uh, renewable energy cars just because that's where the consumer demand is. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that that's that's just the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, because we're relying on corporations to do this, it's going to probably take a lot longer time we possibly might not have. Um, so it would be really nice if anyone could kind of, everyone could kind of coalesce, but I guess I'm glad that Sony and Microsoft are doing, uh, what they can to, uh, to help combat the current crisis that we are sitting in. Uh, Borderlands three, of course, released uh, a couple weeks ago, as we talked about on the show, they have already sold 5 million copies, uh, in the first five days. And a special note was made uh, by 2k saying that PC sales were quote, incredibly strong even though the game is only being sold exclusively through the Epic Games Store. Um, according to 2K, uh, this basically over the same time period, uh, they have doubled uh, the amount of sales, or I'm sorry, 50% up compared to Borderlands 2 within the same period of time. So that means Borderlands 2 is probably a little bit over 3 million, Borderlands 3 a little bit over 5. Um, I find that a little interesting considering the series hasn't really been uh, you know, around for the better part of five years, if you count the uh, the pre-sequel as being part of the the overall chain, um, but good news if you're if you're a fan of Borderlands, and I would imagine that they're probably going to continue to support this with uh, lots of content, much like the Bloody Harvest, which is coming to Borderlands Three in October. Uh, this was announced on the Borderlands show live stream that happened last week that's hosted by Kind of Funny. Uh, it's going to be the first of several free limited time events that you don't have to you know, purchase any additional content for. They're just getting in on the event train, uh, much like other 
live service games, even though technically Borderlands lands not a live service games. Uh, it's going to give you new enemies, a new location, and of course, new loot. So very cool. Neat. Yes. Looking forward to that. Um, and, and, and that's games like this kind of need that stuff just to get you back into it. Like when you, when you, you know, inevitably move away for a little bit, just to give you a reason to come back and, and log in when you've done everything that you can do. So lastly, uh, we talked about code vein releasing this week, uh, the new game from Bandai Namco, uh, the new try hard souls game, basically, uh, good news. You get a free copy of Code Vein if you're going to be at TwitchCon. The bad news is you're going to have to literally give your blood to get it. <laughs> They're doing a blood drive for the Red Cross. <laughs> uh, if uh, during TwitchCon uh, on September 27th, this coming weekend, you can get a free copy of Code Vein as well as a quote promo blood kit if you donate blood to uh, the Red Cross. And, uh, yeah, it, it definitely feels a little weird to trade your actual blood for a video <laughs> game, but, uh, it's, it's for a really good cause, uh, approximately every two seconds, someone in the U S needs a blood transfusion of some sort. So, uh, even just one blood donation can potentially help three different people, according to the American Red Cross. So if you happen to be at TwitchCon, uh, go for it. Give blood when you can. Uh, I am not allowed to give blood. Yep. Just stop so. getting tattoos to care. You're being selfish. Keep it all your blood because your tattoos, you jerk. <laughs> so b- basically because um, I get tattooed in Maryland and Maryland doesn't have a like an, a board that oversees stuff well enough or whatever. I don't know the exact reason. Um, I actually have to go like a full calendar year after getting a tattoo in Maryland before I'm allowed to give blood. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, I, I agree with you. Definitely give blood when you can. And look, if you can get a free copy of Code Vein out of it, great. Yeah. Like I said, who who knows what uh, what strange things we'll need to use to pay for our uh, entertainment in, po- in post-climate America. Blood might become bottle a caps. viable currency or bottle caps. Uh, hopefully, you'll still be able to use those bottle caps at densepixels.com slash Amazon. <laughs> Uh, to to purchase anything, <laughs> of course, Amazon will probably be one of the few standing mega corporations that happens in our dystopian society uh, down the road. The good news is that you can start giving money to them right now. So whenever you buy anything on Amazon, <laughs> big or small, uh, make sure you use our link, densepixels.com slash Amazon. Uh, we get a small percentage of the sale, helps support the show uh, for things that we need to do to keep the lights on, like hosting and Things of that nature. We really appreciate it. And again, Jeff Bezos doesn't need the money. They're going to be one of the only six corporations on the planet eventually. So they're doing fine. Give us some money. So again, densepixels.com slash Amazon. And again, just like I say every week, you don't have to get the free two-day shipping. Get the free Super Saver shipping. And that way, the 60-year-old man who has to keep running from one end of the warehouse to the other can take it a little bit slower. Maybe not have to get a hip replaced uh, very soon thereafter. So moving on, uh, the big topic of the week is going to be uh, our experiences, Carrie and mine, with The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, the Legend of Zelda game that doesn't feature Zelda anywhere in it. Uh, Just released for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, For those unfamiliar with Link's Awakening, uh, this is a ground-up remake, and a very faithful remake at that, of the Game Boy game that came out back in 1993. And both Carrie and I actually played and beat the game on Game Boy 
as well. This actually for carries... me it was Game Boy Color. Oh, sorry, I had, yeah. I, had I had to play it on the on the dual color Game Boy. I had to suffer yeah. through had to suffer through that. Yeah. Uh, and Carrie, correct me if I'm wrong. This is your favorite Legend of Zelda game, is it not? It is. This is my nostalgic favorite. Uh, this was my first Legend of Zelda game. Uh, I was. Uh, my exposure to The Legend of Zelda was at, like, a neighborhood barbecue that my parents took me to that their friends were hosting. And there was one other boy there who was about my age. I guess I was in fourth or fifth grade at the time because I, I had already had a Game Boy. I had a Game Boy Color and I had my copy of Pokemon. And I had that with me. There was another kid there my age who also had a Game Boy Color, but he was playing The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX on on his. And uh, he let me start a new game on on his cartridge a new a new file and and uh i was hooked immediately uh, i hadn't played a game like that before uh i had really only played pokemon previously and like frogger on my mom's atari <laughs> and uh yeah i was i was like i had heard of the legend of zelda before but but this was my first time playing it and I like the next morning, I like demanded that my parents take me to the local Funko land so that I could spend my allowance money and get my own copy. And really, it was my exposure to Link's Awakening at that time that sort of like nudged me further into the uh, video gaming rabbit hole um, and and exposed me to a, a different genre of, of gaming that wasn't Pokemon, that wasn't turn based combat. And yeah, uh, it took me a long time to beat that game <laughs> as a kid. And uh, now as an adult, I've had it for like four days and I'm at the last dungeon. So <laughs> clearly I've gotten smarter. <laughs> yeah, we uh, so so both of us are pretty far into this game. Carrie is at the last dungeon. I'm at the seventh dungeon of eight in the yeah. game so far. So we've played through a pretty good chunk of the game. Um, this game is very vexing to me. In some ways, because okay. from from a from a visually aesthetic standpoint, it is spectacular. It is I it is it. it is the best looking um, overhead Zelda game that they have ever come out with, bar none. Uh, I really like the the art style, which is very a little plastic toys and a yeah. diorama. Yeah, I think I think it looks really good. Um, the quality of life improvements are fantastic. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, the Game Boy. Oh, shit. Only had a D-pad, a start and select button, and an A and B button. So that means that at any time, you could only have two items equipped. That includes including your, your, including sword, your sword, including your shield, including your boots. Once you get the the running the Pegasus boots, um, all that stuff. So you can't you like I I the one thing I do remember about Link's Awakening is that you were constantly hitting the start button to pause to go into the inventory menu to switch what item you had equipped based on the specific thing that you were doing at that time got a little tedious. Um, So now things like your sword are mapped to one button. Things like your shield are mapped to a shoulder button. Things like the Pegasus boots are mapped boots are mapped to shoulder button. So you don't have to actually equip those kind of wish they'd done the same thing for the rock feather, but you know, I'm I'm not beggars. Can't be choosers, you know, just, just map that to a button as well. So the, the item switching, not nearly as as prevalent in this one. Um, I don't remember. So you can you probably played the Game Boy version much more recently than I have. Um, did the warp system exist in the Game Boy version, or is that a yes? New... But it was more limited. You had about okay. three different warp points that you could go to, maybe four. Okay, because I don't um, I don't remember the warp system 
in the Game Boy version. So that was yeah. Also... You still had you still you still had to go find Mon- Mambo and and learn Mambo's Mambo and and that that enabled the the warp system. Um, but there are significantly more warp points mm-hmm. in the remake than there were in the original. Okay. Yeah. So I I I I thought I was remembering that correctly. Um, that is a welcome improvement. Yeah. However. There are a lot of things in this game that remind you very much that you are playing a Game Boy game that was developed 25 years ago. <laughs> um, so the one, so one of the things that's super weird. So the Game Boy, of course, had a four by three display, mm-hmm. and the Switch, of course, has a 16 by nine display. It's a widescreen display. Now. The game in on the Game Boy was used to taking, you know, it, it took place at, in blocks at a time. Like even on the overworld map, you would yes. still you would still be. It was like the original Zelda game where each section of the map was like its own room. You uh, had basically two hundred and fifty six different screens that made correct. up the map. Yes, so it's not that way in this game. Uh, the dungeons are still like that, but the overworld is 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 an open overworld, much like you'd find in you know Link to the Past or or any games like that. However. They have this weird effect where there's like a blurred edge around. Oh, I like the, that the the sort of bokeh effect yeah. to it. Yeah, I I actually really like that. Um, Chris was watching me play it and he didn't like that at all. But yeah, I'm I not a fan do. either. Um, I I like it because I feel like the bokeh effect sort of creates a dreamy sort of atmosphere to it, but it also um it allows you to still focus on what's happening in the center of the screen. Um, without sort of like overloading you with too much other information by sort of mm. giving the 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 bokeh effect. So, but I can understand why people wouldn't necessarily yeah. like it. Not a fan of that. Um, the other thing, and this might. So I, I was I'm trying to I was trying to reconcile this. So a lot of this might be that nowadays as gamers we are very coddled. When it comes to games giving us direction. So like in, in most modern games that we play, there's always like a waypoint on the map that's telling us, you know, generally where to go to. It's usually pretty cut and dry and straightforward what you need to be doing to get from one area to the other area. I spent a lot of time in this game wandering around the overworld because I can't quite remember who I need to talk to or who I need to go see in order to find a quest item that I need in order to advance the game forward. And the game really doesn't do anything to help you remember or point you in the right direction outside it of It does one thing. Right. Has the it, little hint the little phone hint dude. Yeah. You yeah. you can you can call old old uncle or Ulyra and and he'll give you a hint as far as where you're supposed to go next. He, For he, me, I didn't run into that too much because I did remember so much of it. And Basically see, I don't right remember, up until level seven um right up until i was like all right i have to go like get a zombie rooster to carry me to the top of this mountain uh and see i didn't remember any of that i spent probably an hour trying to figure out how to get into the castle because like i knew i needed to get into the castle to get the golden leaves but i couldn't remember how then i remembered that the monkey outside of the castle would build a bridge to get you in the castle but he needs bananas and i knew i needed to get bananas from the crocodile on the beach, but he wanted canned food, and I couldn't fucking remember for the life of me where to get the canned food. And it <laughs> took me trading game. right, yeah. and it took me for fucking ever. 
in order to yeah the trade the trading game and, I, and I'm in the middle of another one right now because right now I have a broom in my inventory and okay. I and I know I know I have to trade the broom for a necklace that I can uh-huh. then take to the mermaid to get the scale to put on the statue and I don't remember what that does once okay. I do that I don't remember who needs the broom I haven't uh, I haven't the grandma in the animal village needs the broom I thought I talked to everyone in the animal village God damn it nope yep so. you got to go back to the animal village because grandma's there and she needs she needs a new broom so. God damn it. So we'll see. Yep. There you go. So like, yep. but like, so that's the, that's the, that's the obtuseness, um, that I'm talking about that sometimes happens in the game. And again, maybe I'm just being an old man, you know, and, and, you know, like not wanting to work that hard, but man alive, I wish that, you know, when you're wandering around aimlessly for like 30 minutes, maybe that fucking owl could come back down from the sky and be like, go this way. This is where you yeah. need to go in that's order to fair. do the thing that you want. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I it it is it is remarkably faithful to the original in so many ways. And that does include some obtuseness that was present in games throughout the 90s that is not really present in games anymore. Um the right. game really doesn't hold your hand at all. Um sometimes you get a hint and sometimes you're just like talk to people until someone tells you what you want to know. Um but yeah, um, God, it it plays so well. It looks so good. Um, the music is is really really well done, and it's done in a way that I really appreciate because it's orchestrated. Obviously, it's not beeps and boops, but it's not a grand large orchestra. It's sort of smaller groups. You're getting sort of like string quartets and like a piano with maybe an ocarina or a flute accompaniment and sort of smaller stuff, and it it sounds very intimate. Um, it still sounds lush and fresh and new, but it's, it's a small, a small group of musicians. And, um, there are some tracks where if, if you're listening close enough, you can even hear the person like pressing down on the keys of the keyboard. And I just, as a musician, I, I really like it a lot. Um, as a big fan of this game, it's, it's really nice to hear some of the music that, so influenced my childhood um re- redone in in such a fashion that i think really stays true to the spirit of the game um i don't know if i would have liked it as much if they had done larger ensembles performing this music um yeah it's it's really fabulous my one gripe is like again like it's been 20 years since i played this game for the first time so i like to think i'm a little wiser Man, this game's pretty short. Um, yeah, well, as, it, as a kid, it was a Game Boy game. I mean, that, that's yeah, that's a, yeah, reminds you of that. It it is a Game Boy game. Um, I guess I get a little bit hung up on thinking that, like, okay, when I was eight years old, I spent thirty dollars, give or take, on the game because it was a Game Boy game. And as an adult, you know, they didn't add really much new they added the chamber dungeons which which i have no, fine. I, I haven't done i have zero interest with. in it i'm not going to touch that mode in the game yeah i i haven't done anything with it um i know i know that you should do it because you can get an extra fairy bottle if you do a certain set of set of tiles for dompe but um yeah i i get a little hung up on the fact that like i'm i spent 60 dollars on that yeah. like it it doesn't necessarily feel like a triple A Zelda title, you know. It doesn't feel quite as worthy of the sixty dollar price tag as like Breath of the Wild did a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean um, it's it it, it 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 I you know what I didn't even draw that comparison in my mind. Um, I I was I had the same thought process, but you're right. 
this game literally costs the same amount of money as Breath of the Wild does. Yeah. A game that you could easily play for upwards of 200 hours. Yeah. If you really wanted to. So, um, and this one, I'm going to be I done feel, within 10, probably. I'd, I'd feel much better about it if it was like a $50 game, but it's that's fine. That's like my one sort of like lingering hang up about it. Um, that being said, it's just, it's, it's really, it's cool. It's so cool to, to go back to old school Zelda in a form like Link's Awakening, which is a game that I feel like even a lot of old school Zelda fans maybe missed out on because maybe they didn't have a Game Boy when the game came out. Um, or maybe they weren't interested in playing Zelda on a handheld back in the day. So it's, it's such a, it's, it's a cool way to go back to the roots of the franchise after Breath of the Wild came on a few years ago and turns the whole franchise on its head with a wholly new style of gameplay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for me, it's just as interesting to explore every little inch of like a small Island as it is to ride a horse off into the wilderness mm. and, and breath of the wild. Um, it, it really goes to show sort of how far this franchise has come while still highlighting all of the things that have consistently made the legend of Zelda a franchise worth playing over the last 35 years. So, so I'm enjoying the game. Um, like you said, the over, the overworld feels like a regular Zelda game. So for those that don't know the history behind this game, this, this game was essentially a side project done by a bunch of developers that wanted to basically try to port Link to the Past onto the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And the project kind of started evolving on its own that they eventually just made an original Zelda game using a lot of the same kind of design language. So that's why it, it does bear a passing resemblance to Link's Awakening. Um, and the in the overworld, you definitely sense that. And it, it feels like it, the overworld feels like the Link's Awakening. Overworld just kind of compressed into smaller areas you mean link to the past that's what i meant yeah i'm sorry link to the past um the one place though where this is not the same for me and this is interesting i so i talked a few weeks ago that when the switch online service added um snes games i started playing link to the past and i got pretty far i'm in the sixth dungeon in the in the dark world um which means there's only technically two dungeons left in the game for me to even complete for that one the dungeon design in link to the past I don't know why it's so much better than the dungeon design in, in Link's Awakening. The, the dungeons in Link's Awakening seem much more rudimentary than I remember them being. And not yeah. that they're bad. Like, the boss fights are cool. They also have, like, a mid-boss in every dungeon, which sometimes are more challenging than the fucking bosses God, in, in a couple of them. for fucking real. <laughs> I, got, I got hung up on a couple of mid-bosses. I was like, why are you so difficult? And then I'd, like, three-shot the main boss or right. whatever reason, like... Stupid, a typical old school dumb Zelda shit. Yeah, so um, I so like I'm, but I'm breezing through these dungeons, not really feeling challenged. Where when I'm playing Link to the Past, like these feel like very full, you know, very complex areas that you have to yeah to explore. And I think that Link's Awakening could get away with it back in the day because it was on a Game Boy. Like like back then, you couldn't believe like just as you can't believe that you can play Breath of the Wild you know, in your fucking hands, you know, w- on, right. on the Switch, you couldn't believe that you can get that kind of a Zelda experience on your tiny little two-color Game Boy console back in the day. Yeah. And so I was a little let down by that aspect. Um, 
I mean, the price tag, yes, you are. I, I, I agree with you on that. But I also – there's a reason I bought this game on cartridge because I'm going to beat it and I'm going to trade it because I'm going to beat the game. I'm going to do the color dungeon because I've never done that before because I never had oh, okay. any of the DX version of the game or anything like that. I, I enjoyed doing the color dungeon again. That yeah. was fun. And then um, I'm going to get rid of it because okay. – <laughs> wait, you can access that I, before I, the I end of the it, game? I, I got it digitally. Um, and yeah, you can do the color dungeon before the end of the game. That's the whole That's the whole point. Is is doing even, the color dungeon because you get you get a buff of your choice. I don't even know where it so is. You, it's in the cemetery. Oh really? Yeah. Do you have to have the heavy gloves before you can get in there? No, you need like the you can do the color dungeon after like the third or fourth dungeon, something like that. Wait, how's it in the cemetery? I've been in the cemetery. I've tried to push on all the gravestones. I just keep getting. You gotta ghosts. push them in a specific order. Oh. Yeah. You can, you can, so you got to go to the library in Mabe Village. There's that book up on the shelf. I did you get that book. Knock it off, yeah. knock it off the shelf. Um, and, uh, it'll, it tells you the directions of, uh, pushing, pushing a very certain set of, uh, gravestones in the cemetery to unlock the color dungeon. Interesting. Well, I'll have yep. to try that then. Cause like I said, yeah. that was the one thing that I was. Yeah, you definitely really want to do that before you like take on the bosses in level seven and level eight. Oh, really? Yeah, just just because of the buff that you get from mm. it. Interesting. Yeah. So, so well, good. To uh, know. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, I Link's Awakening again. It's it's very much my nostalgic favorite. I have a lot of um, really positive childhood gaming memories attached to that game, um, and the faithfulness to which they were able to recreate the game in a contemporary format where it still feels very fresh while still maintaining the classic old school Zelda feel. It makes me really, really hope that they give this treatment to the two Oracle games that were on the Game Boy Color. Because again, I love those games. I'm a much bigger fan of Seasons than I was of Ages. But if they if they do if they do to the Oracle games, what they did to Link's Awakening, absolutely. You got my, you got my money on that one. Uh, I would love to play those games again in a, in this sort of updated format. Yeah. So. If, it, if this sells well, um, there's a real good chance you might get that. And the even better thing with that game is that that would actually be a good value. Cause I can't imagine that they wouldn't just put both games and the optional boss or, and, and the combined boss on the, um, yeah. on, on, one cartridge. Yeah. That would be kind of wild if they didn't, <laughs> but it is Nintendo. Stranger things have happened mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so we'll move on to the dense pixels post office, which Carrie so kindly, uh, posted <laughs> in my, in lieu of me doing it later. Um, <laughs> is where you can ask us questions in our fan group, dense slash fans. We will answer some of them on the air. Uh, Michael asks real talk. Please explain to me what a turd farmer is in borderlands three. How exactly do you farm? Turd. So, Carrie, uh, there's a character uh, that you collect audio logs from named Typhon de Leon, who was the first Vault Hunter, um, who sounds like a guy from, you know, from <laughs> from the Bronx, basically, who was, okay. the, who was the OG Vault Hunter, apparently. And he started life as a turd farmer uh, on Pandora, which is the desert planet that the so that centers around the Borderland franchise. Um, I don't know what a turd farmer is. Uh, if this was anything but Borderlands, I would assume it has something to do with creating manure. Uh, but it's Borderlands, so perhaps skag turds are somehow worth money when refined uh, in the Borderlands universe. I have no idea. Um, but he broke out from his turd farming ways and 
explored the universe and became the first vault hunter, Typhon de Leon. What a, what a funny character. So, Neat. uh, Cam says he finally got around to getting another Nintendo Switch and he's been playing a fuck ton, his words, of Fire Emblem. I'm actually anxiously waiting both Pokemon games because I think for the first time he's actually going to get both. Do you think there will be enough differences to justify it? I know there will at least be some different gyms. I don't know. Um, this is the first time that they're doing version exclusive gyms. Uh, other than that, I don't know if there will be enough differences to justify it. We know a few exclusive Pokemon like Surfetched, who is my new favorite. I love him. I would die for that duck. Um, we we know that he's going to be exclusive to Sword. I have to imagine we're going to get a Shield themed evolution of a pre existing Pokemon for Shield. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if there's going to be enough to justify it because they haven't really told us much about the version exclusive content beyond the couple of gym leaders and the couple of Pokemon so far. Um, I'm getting sword. I'm probably not going to feel the need to get shields, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for sword and shield. Regardless. I just want to point out that uh, in this day and age that we live in where people wring their hands about the exorbitant cost of DLC and the low value to cost proposition that DLC offers that Nintendo has been pulling off an amazing grift for 21 (laughs) years in getting people to buy two full price games for a handful of Pokemon for, for 25 years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) kudos to Nintendo, the biggest media franchise of all time, right? The OGs in, uh, in, 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 you know, getting you to buy two copies of the same game, essentially. Yep. Amazing. Uh, Aaron says, what is the most overhyped or disappointing game series? Whether you are unsatisfied with the conclusion, we already know what Carrie's going to say. The series uh, ended prematurely slash will never get a true ending. A series you tried to get into and played or were, and were turned off. Or just a series you don't understand its popularity or will never play despite its accolades. I'm unsatisfied with Golden Sun. <laughs> We'll get that out of the way. As far as most overhyped, um, I think Final Fantasy as a series is like potentially the most overhyped series on the planet. Um, there's there's some there's some standout games. There's some solid games in there. Um, absolutely, I will not deny that the Final Fantasy franchise has has a few games where they are honestly masterpieces. But I think for the most part. Final Fantasy is an exercise in JRPG mediocrity, and I think it has long been the uh, the go-to for uh, a lot of people when when they talk about JRPGs. It's it's become the default, and I don't know that it is necessarily earned that spot. Uh, I think there are better long-running JRPG series that have been more consistently good. Uh, such as Dragon Quest, such as Tales, uh, that don't have the popularity or the clout that Final Fantasy has, you and just, I think uh, that's unfortunate. You just you just opened me up to a revelation that I never considered before because everything that you're saying is correct. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy has rarely been the vanguard in terms of RPGs, whether you know comes down to story mechanics, things like that they have adopted things that have been very successful in other RPG games and kind of refined them and, and sort of made them their own. Like you said, they are the, 
they're the most popular of mainline RPG franchises from Japan. Final Fantasy is the apple of role-playing games in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's very interesting. Never even thought about that. Um, and you are 100% correct in everything that you just said there, even though a lot of people's feathers are going to be ruffled That's uh, fine. when it comes to that. Um, disappointing. So everyone knows my love for the Mass Effect franchise. Um, and while the while the quality of gameplay in the Mass Effect series, I think, raised in every iteration, the quality of story definitely went the opposite direction. Now, I thought a lot of the Mass Effect 3 hubbub was overblown when the game came out. Was the ending disappointing? Yes. Did it ruin your entire Mass Effect experience? No. Did they make good and kind of fix the ending kind of sort of later? Yes, they did. Sort of. They did. Yeah. Um, but man, was Mass Effect Andromeda... The, the, the fact that Mass Effect Andromeda is not ever going to be expanded on or 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 teased out or you know get a sequel is really disappointing um and and because i enjoyed the game and i enjoyed the story not as much you know the characters i didn't bond with quite as much as you know the commander shepherd crew but i also came in on mass effect when mass effect 2 came out so i'd already gotten you know the hype wagon from the first game and i was being told that hey you should definitely check this series out and so the characters were just a little bit better fleshed out, but it just really sucks that because of how the game was received and because of how the game was launched, uh, that EA just basically threw DLC plans on a scrap on the scrap pile. I think there's a book that came out that tied up one of the loose ends in the story that was planned DLC, but they decided not to do it. Um, there's some loose ends in the story that you'll never that'll never be resolved and won't be said until the Bioware. Until the writers of the game say whether or not they did have a plan for these loose ends. Well, That's really disappointing um, that things kind of ended that way in the Mass Effect. Not in Mass Effect series. I don't know if we're ever going to see another Mass Effect game, to be quite frank. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't. And that makes me very sad. And that'll make me uh, pine like Carrie does for the Golden Sun 4 that's never, never going to come. Nope. Probably ever. Um, and then a series, I don't know if there's a series that I, cause even series that I don't care for, um, like the fallout series, for example, I understand why fallout is popular. It's just, yeah, like, that's it's just how not I feel for about me. Borderlands. Yeah. Like when they announced borderlands three, I was like, okay. And then, you know, I, that being said, like, I still understand its popularity, but like, it's not something I'm ever going to play. That's how I feel about most first person shooters. Like, I understand the popularity of Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of these or Halo, whatever. Um, I'm never going to play them. That's it's not my kind of game. So, to, I to each his own. To each his own. And again, the same goes for me. Like Persona. Like I don't understand why Persona's really popular, but I'm sure there's a good reason. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I don't, like I don't actively dislike Persona. It's just like I look at that game and I'm like. I think it's weird that everyone likes this as much as they do, but you know, that's, yeah, I'm sure it has some, something for everybody basically. Um, so yeah, cause like I said, we're, we're, we're generally positive people. We like to, we like to prop up games as opposed to tear <laughs> them down sometimes. Uh, long time listener, first time caller named Micah <laughs> says, hi, Carrie. Apparently this question is for you. Now that you've done a few shows with just Brad and a show 
with me, Micah, whom do you prefer? Keeping in mind that in our current culture, if you don't say Micah, you will be labeled a racist. <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> it's it's interesting, right? So, like, I, I, I've done this show with just you, Brad, mm-hmm. several times. Um, but I feel like Micah and I so rarely do shows that are just the two of us that it tends to get like a little crazier when we do it. Uh, like when a few weeks ago, it was just the two of us hosting the Nerdpocalypse, and that was a complete disaster, and I enjoyed every second of it. So I feel like when I get to co-host with Jess Micah, it's like a little more of like a special occasion <laughs> because it almost never happens. Uh, whereas, uh, Brad, you're, it's just another Monday, honestly. Yeah. No, I, no, <laughs> no, no offense taken. Like I said, that is, uh, I understand uh why that would be that way so yeah that was a fun episode uh that you guys that you guys did <laughs> on the nerpocalypse for sure and it, it, and that was also super different too just because that to my knowledge that might be the only episode of the nerpocalypse that jay was not on ever oh maybe he could correct honestly, me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure yeah, that's correct you might be right um honestly at this point i feel like i have done a show with every other person on the podcast where it's just me and them, except for Terrence. Mm. I think I've not ever done just like the Carrie Terrence hour, which would be a complete <laughs> shit show. And it absolutely needs to happen now. Um, but like I've co-hosted with just you. I've co-hosted with just Jay. I've done that with Micah and Jack and I have done uh, that God awful 50 shades movie review together. So yeah. And, and Clearly, like, I need to make the Carrie Terrence Hour happen at this point. And like I said, I, I love our group settings that we always do for these shows because I think that's the best dynamic. But I always think when we, whenever we do the two-man shows, um, regardless of which podcast it is, those always tend to get a little a little more interesting in some <laughs> in some ways um, than when we do the full the full group ones. So that like that's why we don't do them that often. We got to keep them special just so that you guys don't get tired of that shit. Uh, Trey says with the ever not really increasing divide of digital versus physical games. There should be no surprise. Scalpers are taking advantage of places like limited run games and jacking up prices for certain games on the resale market. What steps can be done to prevent this? Now, I was initially confused. Nothing. Yeah, I was initially confused when I saw this. Um, so Trey is not speaking of your general, you know, your general release games. He's talking about the shit. Um, so like limited run, you know, does like. You know, I, didn't they do like the Night Trap reissue? And, yeah, they and did the Night Trap nature. reissue, and they've partnered with indie games to do limited physical releases of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's nothing you can do about it. It's a limited edition of a video game. You're always going to see scalpers going after limited edition shit. Same same reason why you have like certain variant cover comic books. On, on the secondary market right. for and, and hundreds more dollars and whatnot. There's a new industry that I'm, that I'm privy to this now, and that is in watches. Companies come out with limited edition watches all the time. Uh, there's a watch called the Seiko Alpinist that is very popular with enthusiasts. Uh, forever, people were like, what if they made a blue dial version? Because the normal Alpinist is green. Lo and behold, Seiko puts out a blue dial version, but it's limited to one retailer in the United States, and there's only 2,000 of them. They sold out in about three hours, and now... The prices you can find for it are 150% of what it costs 
brand yep. new. That's just the way women Welcome to go. the secondary market. Right. That's just how <laughs> shit works. Doesn't matter if it's video games or watches or comic books or trading cards or what the fuck ever. That's just how it works. And yep. that's how it's always worked. And it's how it will continue to always work. And it sucks. But there's nothing anyone can do about it. Yep. I mean, the only the only way to fix that is to increase production. But yep. then it doesn't become a limited edition, doesn't become a special, or what companies don't want is they don't want more inventory produced than they reasonably know that they are going to be able to sell. Yep. And with limited edition stuff, especially when it comes to limited physical release video games in this day and age, because digital is a thing that exists, that is a very difficult thing to properly gauge demand for. And Honestly, the companies don't really give a shit if people are no. buying that stuff and scalping it because all they care about is selling it in the first place. And frankly, yeah, they got their money. They right. got their cut. They don't give a shit what happens on the secondary market. Right. And frankly, having that stuff out there at a price higher than what people what they charged for it, it creates this illusion of the game of the property being more valuable than it actually is yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Um Anthony says, I chose Zane as my first Borderlands 3 character, and now that I've beaten the game and trying to ready for the end game, Mayhem 3 type activities, I've learned that I, that I picked the worst character. Why didn't Brad warn me and advise me to do a Flak build? Well, Anthony, that depends, sir. Um, apparently, from what I understand, Flak and Mose, who is the gunner, are the best solo characters. So if you're going to play solo, then yeah, you might have a difficult time. Um, I also picked a tough solo character. In the Siren, uh, Amara, but I had no problems getting through the main game. Uh, Anthony, come play with friends like me, <laughs> and we'll and we'll play together, and then you won't have to worry about uh, Zane being a handicap. I think I'm going to go with Flack next, though. Flack's the robot Beastmaster guy uh, who is non-gendered, uh, which Neat. is very interesting. So, um, Stewart says, "Will esports become popular enough that we get esports movies? For example, a remake or sequel to The Wizard, where he has to win a Super Mario Maker tournament. How could that even happen at the end? Because he fucking cheated in the original movie by having help from the Nintendo Power line. I've never seen The Wizard. Really? Yeah. I'm shocked at that. Actually, right? Yeah, I've I've not seen that movie. Uh." I don't know. Maybe esports will become popular enough that we get esports movies. I don't follow esports close enough to give a shit, though. So I think you'll see it in twenty years when the current like generation, the, like the current targeted esports crowd of people that are like twelve to twenty three years old, age up and get into positions of power within like the <laughs> yeah. arts, the arts industry, um, because it'll be more relatable when that happens. And yeah, you'll you'll see it one day if esports continue to grow. At the clip that they're growing. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, we have esports on ESPN and TBS and like legitimate cable networks now. Um, yep. And who thought that five years ago? I'm sure people playing esports did, but I don't think the mass media or the, the no. rest of us did for sure. Um, nope. How can you win a Super Mario Maker tournament, though? What like what would that even be? I have no idea. I mean, I've seen people like compete compete in super mario just to be like the first person to like finish a certain level or something like that uh, i don't know so, i don't know i don't play mario maker so now carrie let's let's rewind a little bit back to the wizard so you were at least aware of the story of the wizard uh, right i have yes i have been aware of the wizard okay it's a really funny movie um especially if you viewed it today because it is very much a movie of 1989 
uh, when the movie that movie was came released. out two weeks before I was born. So. That's crazy that you're not as old as the wizard. No, that is kind of wild. Almost, I am almost as old as the wizard. Yes, that that game came out exactly twelve days before I was born. My uh, my my favorite part of that movie, and I think I've talked about it on the show before, is the fact that they like at the main tournament. Uh, the game that's being played is Super Mario Brothers 3, which had never like like the whole movie was a giant commercial for Super Mario Brothers 3, which had been <laughs> available in Japan at that point, but not in America. And somehow the girl character that was like like her brother was the one playing in the game, despite having never seen this game before, knew the trick to crouch through the white block in order to go behind the stage map to get the warp whistle, um, which I don't know how she would know that because the Internet wasn't a thing in 1989. And how would you know secrets and you know tips and tricks from this Japanese exclusive platforming game? So there you go. Uh, we finished with Leonardo. Now look, who's just excited about Batman? Leonardo is an awesome guy. Um, however, I have learned that we differ polar <laughs> opposites on 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 the scale of games that we like. Leonardo, of course, the biggest Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order fan. Uh, on the face of the planet, it's going to break my heart when that game is like a straight seven, and, and it's going to be, and it's going to be, uh, you know. But I'm sure he'll love it all the same. So Leonardo, unsurprisingly, super hyped about this potential Batman Court of the Owls game. And when I when I said something in in the post that was made earlier that oh, but it's made by the same people that did Arkham Origins, Leonardo's response was Arkham Origins was a solid seven. There's, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> you shouldn't aspire to be a seven. Like, like we accept sevens, no. you know, in, in our culture. Like, this is fine. This is playable. You'll, you, you might even have a good time. Um, but uh, aspire to be a 10. Don't aspire to be a seven. Yeah. Like, like it's like, it's, 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 it's one thing. Like if you, you hope it's a nine and you get a seven, like that's all well and good. But yeah, if it's just, if it's, just as mediocre as Arkham Origins was, that's not going to be passable in 2019 or 2020 when this game comes out. Arkham Origins came out seven years ago. It's got to be great. God. So. But there you go. That is uh, that is the Dense Pixels Post Office for this week. Thank you guys very much for answering, submitting questions that we could answer on the show. Uh, and that's it for the podcast this week as well. So make sure you go to densepixels.com slash fans so that you too can submit questions for the Dense Pixels post office. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Just search for Dense Pixels. Again, subscribe to the podcast on any app that you use for podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Twitch as well. Terrence's Apparition 410. Carrie is up. It's Carrie. And Extra Life donations still being accepted yeah uh so i am doing extra life again this year uh with all proceeds going right to help the kids at the johns hopkins children's center in baltimore maryland and uh yeah this year i'm playing pokemon leaf green and i'm doing some donation incentives so you can vote to uh pledge your donation to like pick my starter pokemon or uh, name my rival, or this, that, and the other. Uh, my friend Sean, who I love dearly, but he's a Phillies fan, so, eh. Um, <laughs> he donated, he's currently in the lead right now. Um, he's vote, He's put $75 towards forcing me to play with a Charmander named Charlie in honor of Phillies manager and current hitting coach Charlie Manuel. Charlie uh, Manuel also, is the hitting coach for the Phillies again? 
I guess so. What? Uh, also, he also wants me to eventually catch a Krabby, evolve it into a Kingler named Scott that I have to call Scott Kinglery. So if you want to either continue to enable Sean's bullshit or <laughs> uh, vote for literally anything else, you can head to my Extra Life page. I've posted it in the group before, but I will do so again shortly after this episode gets posted. Uh, my goal this year is 500 bucks. I'm about little more than $200. Uh, and I will be streaming that on my Twitch all day on November 2nd. So that's the morning after I go to a wedding. So we'll see how hungover I am. I do not understand how you were able to play the same game for like 20 hours in a row. Uh, my ADD does not allow for such a thing to happen. <laughs> Like even on the plane, even on the fucking plane ride home from Nashville, I played like Slay the Spire for a good two hours and got really into it. But then I'm like, oh, but I want to play some Bacchanalia now. Like I can't, I can't just sit there and play the same game for more than like four or five hours before I need to log off. Yeah. Weird. I don't know how you do it, but I'm glad that you do. And uh, yeah, a worthy cause. So definitely check that out. Carrie is always the de facto um, extra life person for Dense Pixels because. Uh, I'm never usually available to do it because it's usually <laughs> on a Saturday more often than not. Uh, so yep. unfortunately I'm usually precluded and Micah, that's his, you know, one of his family days and Terrence, uh, I don't think could stream a video game for 24 hours if he <laughs> wanted to. I don't know if Terrence could play a game for 24 hours in a row. Uh, so Carrie is sort of the de facto Dense Pixels Extra Life as well. So make sure you check her out. Uh, and again, she'll share the link in the fan group and click on that and kick a couple bucks over if you can. Um, so that is it this week. Thank you guys again very much for listening and watching. We'll see you all the next time. Thanks. <laughs>